This episode of Virgo Chronicles includes language that some listeners may find disturbing. The following audio contains situations pertaining to domestic violence and psychological abuse. Listener discretion is advised. So it started out as any typical teenage love story, I should say. I seen him. I was so attracted to him that I wanted him. Like, I knew I was going to have him. And he was with my homegirl at the time, and I told her, like, he's fine. Like, he looked mad good. (laughs) And we got to talking, and we got to texting, and it was a dream. Like, it was so sweet and fairy tale-ish in the beginning. In my eyes, he really couldn't do no wrong. We were hanging out every day. He took me on dates. Keep in mind, we were only 17. So whatever a date was at 17, it was BBQs and Applebee's. But he took me on dates and he courted me the way I enjoyed being courted. Um, If you know anything about me, I love to be by the water. So that was our usual thing. Dumbo, Chelsea Pierce, we were always by a body of water. And then one day <laughs> it it changed. Like the guy I fell in love with was no longer. He didn't exist and love me the way I thought he would. The first incident that took place happened around the time that my grandmother died. I want to say it was about two to three days after she passed away. If you know anything about me when I'm sad, I love to be around people. Like, people bring me light uh, when I'm feeling down. So I was with my friends, and he showed up to where I was. And we got into a verbal confrontation first. And then he was like, you need to go home. And looking at the time, it was a little later in the day. I had school the next day. So I'm like, all right, bad. So he walked me to my house on Madison Street. And he yoked me up by my collar. The yoke turned into a choke. And he choked me on my block where I lived. And he told me he didn't appreciate me being outside, dressed the way I was dressed. And that should have been a red flag. Absolutely should have been a red flag. But to me, it was just like, damn, he cares about me. Keep in mind, a couple of days prior, I lost the person who loved me to the fullest so now I'm at this point I'm looking for love and the abuse was what I thought love looked like honestly so the incidents just kept on coming it went from a choke to a slap 
into a choke and a slap. Um, and it was just on so many different occasions that it started to happen. And in my mind, I just chalked it up to love. I chalked it up to love. The manipulation, the abuse, I chalked it up to love. He loved me. He loved me. That's why he put his hands on me. He he absolutely loves the the life out of me. That's why he put his hands on me. But I was absolutely wrong. And one day I went to his house to see him. I'm a lady, so I know when my menstrual is about to come on and he told me to come over. And I was very iffy about going because my menstrual. And I still went anyway. And he left me in his house to go outside and be with his friends. Which is a whole nother thing. And when he returned, it was about 3 a.m. He wanted to have sex. Keep in mind, my menstrual is coming. I'm like, no. So at 3 a.m., he told me to get the F out, <laughs> really. And I said, fine, because I have keys to both my homes. So, you know, I'm a leaf. And so I get dressed, walk out the door. As I leave, I didn't hear him following behind me because he had on Crocs. And by the time I got outside to the doorstep, he yoked me back by my hair. Now, if you know me, you know I always wear long weave. That's my thing. So it was around this time, actually. Like, it was definitely around November, December. And the wind blew. And that's when he caught me by my hair and wrapped my hair around his fist, pulling me into him. And he began to curse me out because I got dressed to leave because he kicked me out because I didn't want to have sex. And um, at this point, I was just so upset. And I told him, I'm like, you know, let me go. Like, you don't want me here. I can go home. Like, I'm going home. So then he got to calling me all types of hoes and bitches because I got up to leave at 3 a.m. Like he told me to. And that was the first time he punched me in my face. And I was just so... um, <laughs> What's the word to even use? Shocked, appalled, I was, I I couldn't even tell you, really. But he punched me in my face, and the punch was so hard that it dazed me. Like, my vision was blurry, blurry as Ever. I couldn't really get my bearings. But I knew 
I wasn't falling. Like, I'm not dropping. I'm that egotistical. I'm not dropping. So when I did get my, my barons back, I was ready to fight. And that was my first time fighting back. And I just swung on him. Keep in mind, I, at the time, I was like five feet. He's like six one. And once I punched him in his face, we got to fighting. Like two niggas in the street. We were fighting each other, brawling. To the point where he lives in, um, he lived in a Jewish neighborhood, so it was fairly quiet. The whole building woke up. Like, someone called the police. The whole entire building woke up. And we're outside scrapping. And his sibling came outside to break it up. And this was the day I realized, like, maybe he's just crazy. Because, like, my lip was busted. I had fingerprints all over my face. And, um, after, like, I I couldn't get away for, like, 45 minutes, truthfully. His sibling really had to protect me. Now, his sibling is a, a little taller, a little stockier, so he could literally shield my five foot behind with his whole body. And then he... I guess he was fed up with the situation, too, because they started fighting each other. And he put me in a cab to his girlfriend's house, (laughs) which is one of my best friends now. And I just stayed there because I couldn't go home. I, I couldn't explain to either my parents why my face looked the way it did. I don't know what to say. Her mother was so understanding. She was like, you know, just rest. We'll deal with it tomorrow. And tomorrow came. Now, and my mother, like, she's, like, really churchy. So every Sunday, no matter what I was doing, where I was at, if I got home from the club at 5 a.m., I was going to church at 7 so I got up and came up with the best lie I possibly could to tell my mama why my face looked the way it did when she see me in church. And it was hard. It was really hard. And you would think after all of this unraveled, I was done with him. No, I wasn't. Because I I knew he loved me. Like that to me it was it was his portrayal of love. So here's the last incident, the last and final straw. Um after like two weeks of not talking to him, he <laughs> he bought me flowers. And he apologized to me. And 
I accepted the apology, of course, because I loved him. And we were all, you know, at his mom's house. And my friend was there, too. And we were having a conversation. And something was said that he didn't like because we were laughing at it. And he asked me to come into his room so we can talk. And I did. And we were going back and forth. It got loud. And then he's like... Go get the gun. (laughs) He asked somebody to go get the gun. I tell you no lies. And they did. They really did go get the gun. And he put it to my temple. And he told me, I will kill both of us in here. The look in his eyes was so cold when he said it that I knew it was true. Like, I knew it was true because he was the type of guy that if he couldn't have me, no one else will. And real life, that was my first time. Like, it wasn't my first time holding a gun. But having a gun pointed at me, it was it was definitely my first time. It didn't feel good. And I was scared. Shitless. <laughs> like, I was so afraid. And this is where um, God comes into play. Because the last altercation we had that I told you about the fight before I came back, somebody told my mom about it. Now, my mama, she real street, okay? So, when she found out about the altercation that we had outside and her friend seen it, she asked me if it was true. I told her yes. I was in the car with a blanket, and my mother pulled up to his crib and told him to come outside. Now, the same friend who got the gun for him came outside with with him. And he was being disrespectful to my mom, the friend. And then he told he told his friend, like, you know, chill. Like, I don't want to have to get into it with you over her. Which, that's just who he is. Basically, he lied and told my mom that... I was putting my hands on him first, and it was a lie. It was a lie, a lie, and my mother's solution was for me to attend school in a different state, and I really thank God every day that I went away because I probably wouldn't even be here if I didn't move away. And my friends, multiple friends, see me get beat in public. And they had to hold that secret. So in my mind, the best thing for me to do was leave.
are now listening to Virgo Chronicles with Shauna J. Okay, guys, this is probably take 50 right now, somewhere between 50 and 53 or something, because I'm having such a hard time. I don't know. My nerves are just really bad talking about this. I know so many people who have endured domestic violence. I have my own experience with domestic violence. And it just befuddles me that so many people are making a joke out of it on social media. I'm really frustrated with my feeds on Facebook and Instagram because why is this a laughing matter? I don't understand. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following the situation right now on social media as far as domestic violence is concerned, but there are a lot of people victim blaming. There are a lot of people trying to justify the situation, which is completely bananas to me. I think that a lot of people neglect to realize that your mom could have been in situations very similar to this, and they probably just have never opened up to you about it. Your sisters, your your aunts, whoever. It's It's extremely common, but it's not extremely common for victims to speak on their experience for reasons like this, because they're too ashamed and they're afraid that no one will believe them or that people will make it seem like they did something to influence these experiences. I've been I've witnessed domestic abuse since I was probably no older than 6 or 7 years old. That's when I had my first experience with seeing someone that I love being physically harmed. And I've carried that my entire life. I know that not everyone responds to it the same way. Some people see it some people see it in their childhood and grow, getting older it's kind of normalized for them. They feel like it is a form of love or it's it's nothing out of the norm. You get what I mean? But for me, the first time that I saw it, I immediately knew that it wasn't okay. And I don't know why I responded to it that way. I'm not sure why. It's not like I had a bunch of conversations with anyone and they uh, instilled it in me. I just knew. And it's just crazy to me. Like, I'm going to try my best not to take this podcast to a place where I don't want it to go. But it's just there's just too many instances where I've seen women that I love have to deal with these situations and I and I do believe that they had to deal with these situations because not everyone has the ability to leave when they probably should have. And that's a, a common misconception that people who are on the outside looking in have. Why would you allow yourself to be abused multiple times after the first time you should have just left? If we all had the mental capacity to do what we need to do, the first time, then we'd all be rich. We'd all have all of the things in life that we want and we desire and we need. It just doesn't work like that. That's the bottom line. So I just feel like people need to be more sensitive to the idea of victims not, ex- not really knowing what to do in that moment. You don't ever, a lot of people don't really know 
how bad their situation is until they're no longer in it. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like there's so many different reasons that women stay. Women stay because of fear. They stay because of lack of self-worth. They stay because of trauma, manipulation, um, and sometimes even Stockholm Syndrome. Dealing with abuse is extremely psychological. So no one is able to dictate what another person should or should not have done. I I want to talk about I want to talk about one of my good friends. One of my good friends, um, maybe the first week of us even knowing each other, her I, I found out that her situation was terrible off the bat. Um we got close really quickly and I started to get frustrated really quickly with the situation. You guys know Shauna the Empath, I always say that. Um it affected me so much. It's like I would put myself in her shoes all the time and I would just think about how I would feel if I was the person being called these names and getting hands put on me by someone that I look to as a significant other and a ultimately a lover. And I would get upset with her because I couldn't understand why she was dealing with it. And I mean, he it was blatant. Like he would do it right in front of everybody. He would embarrass her and she would just take it. She'd like laugh it off or she'd suck her teeth. And that was pretty much it. I mean, he called her all kinds of bitches, hoes, sluts, dummies. He called her his his butler. Like anything degrading that you can think of, he he'd say it to her and she'd just take it. And so I don't know if I ever told her, but it kind of started to wear on our relationship because it was draining me. Me watching her go through that was starting to drain life out of me. But I couldn't leave her because I was always so worried about her well-being and I knew that she was a great person. So eventually it became one of those situations where I was no longer a friend to him. And I knew him first, but I was no longer a friend to him. He felt like I was the enemy because I was one of the people in her life that was in her corner and always tried to persuade her to do what she needed to do so that she could be okay. And that meant leaving him. So even if she was at my house hanging out with me and he called her, it'd be like, oh, where are you? And she'd say, I'm, I'm at my mom's house because she, she just didn't want that smoke with him. She didn't want to argue. She didn't want him to, he, he'd get crazy. He, you never knew. He might curse her out. He might call her phone a hundred times. He might go to social media. You just never knew what he was going to do, but it was always some sort of abuse. And you guys need to understand verbal a lot of people don't even realize when they're being verbally, emotionally, mentally abused. Like, they don't even see it. They don't get it. And that is scary. I, there was a point in my life where I didn't know what was happening to me. I had no idea. I was oblivious to it. But that's why I say, and I know it's a learning process, but you have to educate yourself enough so that you can understand that you cannot force a victim to leave their situation, you can try your best and do what you can, but don't ever, don't ever assume that they're the one that's 
wrong and they're putting themselves in a predicament because they should just leave. That's just not realistic. So anyway, back to my friend. So I don't, they had so many different situations that I don't remember what was the first time that I knew that he was being physically abusive towards her. But I do remember there was a time where she was in one room. They were arguing in one room and I was in another room. And he came in the room and he asked me, he's like, oh, sis, where's the gun? And I'm like, what gun? Like, what are you talking about? And um, he's like, just just like, let me know where the gun is. And he's like tearing up the room, looking for it. This is not my room, by the way. Not my room, not my gun. But yeah, he's like tearing up the room, looking for it. And I'm just watching him and watching him and he couldn't find it. And I'm like, were you really looking for a gun to do to do what? Like, because you guys are arguing. And if I'm not mistaken, even in the argument, I don't even feel like she was voc- really expressing herself the way that she should or could have. He was the one being the aggressor. He was the one leading the argument and saying all of the, you know, unnecessary things. But he still felt like, you know what? I need to get this gun and show her that I'm, I'm the boss of her. And then um, sometime later on, she had told me like, yeah, that's not the first time. Yeah, he's put a gun to my head before. And I'm like, what? Like, why is this normal to you? Like, what? I, I wanted to like shake her. Like, what is going through your mind? You could literally lose your life behind this. And I do remember there was a time where she like opened up to me about their past and the place she was in mentally when she met him and um some of the things that they had gone through together and so that shed a little bit more light for me on why she felt stuck but ultimately I don't think it was ever about him I think it was always 100% about her and what she was going through internally and things that she had been dealing with since she was a child I think it has everything to do with that and you guys I don't know if you know but you need to know that those man those demons that you have to fight from childhood that shit is hard that shit is hard and a lot of people don't ever overcome it so it was just you know I kind of got to a point where I was just like well you know what if this is what you want to do and you're going to do it. I can't force you to stop, but I'm never going to accept it. I'm never going to pretend like it's okay to me. I'm not going to be around him and smile on his face like it's okay to me because I'm not that friend. You, you, you guys need to ask about me. I'm not that friend. If I see you being mistreated, if I feel like you're too good for him, and when I say too good, I don't mean like financially or anything like that. I'm talking about in the way he makes you feel and the way that he speaks to you, his respect level. If, if I feel like he's not that for my friend, then I don't like you and I don't give a fuck if you don't like me. And, and that's just that. So yeah, he got to a point where he didn't like me. He would say shit about her family on social media. He would say shit about me, uh, post threats. It, it just didn't matter. Um, I don't even, there were a lot of this different situations. Like I can't even touch on everything that happened within that time, but I don't even know if she ever just decided to leave. I think what really ended the situation was eventually her mom was like, you need to move out of the state. This is like, this is crazy. And she felt like the only way that you're going to stop 
dealing with this person is if you leave New York. That's the only way. And I'm not going to lie. I feel like even when she left, she still found a way. Like It was just like, it took a long time for her to remove herself from the situation. It took a really, really long time. And I I can't say 100%, but I kind of feel like even even though it's years later, there are certain things from that experience that she still has to carry because it is it's so traumatizing that you cannot just get over it one day. It's very gradual. There are certain insecurities that you will carry for a long time leaving a a relationship that was so abusive. So I just think that people really need to learn how to be more open-minded to a situation like that when you cannot relate. You maybe uh, watch some documentaries, maybe read some books about it. I have another friend who was dating this guy. I fucking hate him. And I didn't always hate him. But that that's usually how it is because, you know, abusers can be so cool with everyone else. They can be real crowd pleasers, entertainers, charming. But that's what comes with it. That is what you call a top tier manipulator. And so he was cool until I started to realize like little small things that he was doing. I started to realize that he would say things to keep her on her toes. It's like he would, he was very particular about how she needed to present herself to please him. That one thing about me, it does not take me long to realize that I'm not feeling. <laughs> so off, off that, I'm just like, okay, I already see where this is going. And so I think that he kind of started to, you know what it is? He, once they start to realize that this person has people in their corner that actually cares about them and that will try their best to get them out of that toxic situation, it's like, okay, bitch, well, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to show you that she cares about me more and she loves me more and she will always choose me. It kind of becomes like a game to them. Like, let me show you that I am the most important to her and I'm not going anywhere and she's never going to leave me regardless of what I do. And that's kind of what it was for a couple of years. And it was just like his energy would just, ugh. Like I, It's like, like a dark cloud was looming over him. I think that he was so insecure that he probably did not even realize how manipulative he actually was. I don't I don't think a lot of people realize how manipulative they are. The same way how I don't think that a lot of people realize they're they're victims. Denial is one of the worst places right, that you can be. Like to be in denial is very damaging to a person. It's very damaging. And I think that he was in denial. And then I think that him sort of trying to mask all of the bad things that he did by doing good manipulative things caused her to be in denial. And, you know, all of the different forms of abuse coincide with one another. You know what I mean? So I feel like usually with, with, um, 
with people around me, it's like, okay, most of us uh, deal with some sort of verbal abuse, emotional abuse, and then sometimes that domestic violence starts to work its way in. His, his verbal abuse was crazy, like out of this world, crazy. And I feel like, you know, when you kind of have a history with dating guys that don't know how to love you properly, that always, you know, put you in the same type of positions, they always like say the same type of things to you to make you feel down about yourself. You kind of feel like, well, that's normal. I expected that because that's usually what happens anyway. And so he would do all of these things. And I saw how it was changing my friend. Like I saw it live. Like I, I knew it was happening. I don't think that she realized that it was happening, but I knew it was happening. Like that, that bubbly, friendly, nice spark that she always had, it started to slowly go away and it slowly started turning into the person that he would always try to mold her to be and I hated him for it I hated him I felt like you're you're why are you doing this to my friend like he was older he's fucking ugly he was just trash I can't stand him but anyway um by the way by the time the physical violence started to happen I was just like completely done. Like I, I just, I was so tired. And you know, I had already been through the situation with my other friend. So I was just like, I can't go through this again. Like, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to see this happening so up close again. Like, I just don't want to see it. But his manipulation was, he was laying it on so fucking thick that I feel like, and, and this is how it always is. The person will try to leave and they will even tell themselves, like, I'm done, like, I'm out. And it would, it would be so sad because the first time it would be like, okay, she, she's done with him for a week or two. Then she goes back. Then it would be like, okay, she's done with him for a month. But then she would go back. He would always find a way. He would always be like, well, I know what she likes, so I'm going to do this and do that. And that's going to convince her that we're good now. But the, the thing that really hurt me was there was a time where she was done for months. She was done for months. She was good. She was recovering well from the situation. And some way, somehow he made his way back. And I remember I was just like, no, no. It was almost like, it was almost like knowing someone that was in rehab and they had recovered and they were clean and they were looking so much better, just doing good, you know, like a recovering addict. And then one day you they just relapse and you're heartbroken like that was genuinely how i felt because i i knew that their situation would never be what he tried to to convince her that it would be and what he would manipulate her into thinking that it would be it was never ever going to be that because he had too many things within himself that he wasn't okay with that had nothing to do with her, but he needs to figure it out on his own. So that was just another one of those situations where like, and I mean, he was crazy. Like it was like fatal attraction almost. He was one of those like, oh, I'm going to kill myself kind of exes. Like, you know, those types. He was one of those kind of exes. And it's so crazy because I feel like one day when we were talking, she was like, you know, like I was really in a sunken place. 
And when she said that, I'm like, yes, like, absolutely. But I, I couldn't believe she said it because that's exactly how I felt. Like, it's it's literally a sunken place. And then once you're out of it, and I mean really out of it, not not like one foot out, but might step back in completely out of the situation. Once you're really out of it and you look back and you see what you allowed yourself to deal with, it's, it's really crazy. Like, it, some people, you know, might get therapy for it. Some people might opt to never speak on it. But no matter what they decide to do, it is extremely eye-opening. No one truly believes that their abuser is capable of seriously harming them, like putting them in the hospital or killing them until it happens. And I know because I've had these conversations with my friends, like, you better get yourself out of the situation before you get yourself killed. What? They're like, what? You're crazy. What? You're, th- you're, th- you're thinking too far. Yeah. You know how many women are no longer here who had those same exact sentiments? They thought it could never happen. He loves me way too much to do something that terrible to me. He actually does these things to me because he loves me so much. It's just, that's just the mindset. I can't really fully explain to you what the reasoning behind that thought process is, except for, like I said, I think it's is denial mixed with manipulation. And you know, a lot of the times, more often than not, these guys, these guys are going through their own things that ultimately result in them treating people this way to make themselves feel better about whatever it is that they're facing. And everyone has a story. It's kind of weird because I can always sort of find a loophole to understand why a person did something. Almost, not every time, but almost. And I mean, in some of the most heinous crimes, once you give me a good backstory on that person's upbringing and things that they've been through, I can almost always identify why they turned out the way they turned out that maybe it's just me but you really have to think about it you honestly do have to think about it and we all start off the same way little innocent babies no one no one is born a killer no one is born an abuser something had to happen within that person's lifetime that triggered them mentally into thinking that it was okay to do these things. And that doesn't, you know, it's still inexcusable. But at the same time, it does sort of make me wonder, how, how might things be different if we just got the help that we needed? If we allowed ourselves to really open up and face these things that cause us to be such detriments to our own selves. I think about that all the freaking time, all the time, because these things are, you know, they could be easily avoided. They could be really easily avoided, but we're living in a society and we are a people who have not been properly, we've just never really been taught to take care of our own mental health and to face these traumas that have had such a, you know, an impact on who we've become as adults. And ultimately that results in, 
situations like the ones that I've spoken about in my podcast. Um, I know that, you know, it's something that's going to take time, but I just wish that more people would open their eyes, like instead of making jokes about it for likes or instead of, uh, instead of trying to figure out why a person was hit in the first place and saying, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, well, when you put it that way, I could see why he would black her eye and bust her lip. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because if I was in that situation, I would be upset too. When I tell you guys, you don't have to listen to me if you don't want to. A lot of your parents have been in domestic violence situations and it's either you know or you don't know. I can bet you that. I can bet you that. So don't be quick to judge. Okay, so this podcast has completely taken a turn because um, I asked my very good friend if she could kind of just send me some audio recounting her situation and her speaking on the situation is kind of giving me flashbacks of me witnessing the situation and I didn't really expect myself to react this way but when I think about all of the stuff that she endured it really it's just it's just bringing up so many old wounds because I I honestly thought that I was going to lose her at some point and hearing her break down about it is making me break down because I know that it's just been such a hard journey for her and you know people know that I hate being vulnerable and I don't like to cry but I kind of feel like I owe it to the topic at hand because it is this serious like you cannot take domestic violence as a joke whether you are the abuser uh the person being abused or if you're just a person who knows someone that's in a situation like that. So I'm just begging everybody to do what you can to prevent these things from happening. They do get extreme. People do lose their lives um, from these situations. And I have to end it because I'm like in shambles. But I just want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. And I hope that this helped a lot of people to understand why this is no laughing matter. So thank you guys. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye.